Hello and welcome to They Behave For Me, a podcast brought to you by me, Adam Boxer. And me, Amy Forrester. We're going to be covering all things education, policy, curriculum, teaching and learning and much more. And we're going to be coming to you every Friday afternoon to take you into the weekend. They Behave For Me is powered by Carousel Learning, an innovative online learning platform that aims to boost your students' memory and help you strategically plan for retrieval practice over time. It does homework, it does classwork, it does detailed analytics and feedback, and is guaranteed to reduce your workload. To be like the thousands of teachers already using Carousel and find out more, go to www.carousel-learning.com. That's www.carousel-learning.com. So how do you want to start off tonight, Adam? Um, yeah, so I just wanted to like really quickly dwell on some of the feedback that we've had because the reception online has been has been so heartwarming um, and I think people have really enjoyed the conversation and we've had some really lovely feedback as well, which is great. Um, so people both saying nice things and, and, and saying things nicely that will help us make the podcast better. Um, also, we've had a lot of questions, which is really great. We'll get to some of those at the end um, of this pod. And hopefully what we're doing is we're going to keep a like a running track. Um, so we've got a nice little spreadsheet and every question we get, we'll go into the spreadsheet and, and we'll try and get to it as soon as we can. Um, we also got a little bit um, of flack and some of that flack was by ourselves and some of that flack, well, I don't know if flack <laughs> is the right word. Us, no. us creating flack ourselves, I didn't never. Well, we, we, we hesitated at the end um, of the last podcast when we were like, oh, we should also mention threads. Um, and I think we should do that more formally because... Um, for those of you who aren't on Twitter, no, X, formerly known as Twitter, um, it used to be an amazing website. Um, it's now a, um, oh, I think the only, it's, it's a, less it's, good. It's, it's less good. It's definitely <laughs> less good. Um, and a lot of people have moved over to Threads, which is by Meta. Um, and it's much better. It, better? Better, better on Meta. <laughs> um, God, can you imagine? Who would have thought that we'd be <laughs> shilling for Mark Zuckerberg? Um, but anyway, there's there's a lot of teachers there. Um, the conversations are really nice and respectful. The racists haven't found us yet. So Excellent. I guess that's, that's a good thing. So you can find um, both of us on threads as well. So I'd highly recommend that. Um, the other thing, that, and, and by the way, we've had some interesting um stats in terms of our listens so we've had listeners from all over the world which is really good yay um but also, but also my my grandfather is now listening Aww, to the podcast lovely i'm reasonably confident yeah which is very nice i'm reasonably confident my parents still don't know that i'm podcast all the other podcasters are like <laughs> oh my mom's the only one that listens to this and i'm like my mom would never listen to this <laughs> like, like why on earth would my mom listen to this, this yeah is she hears enough of your voice as it is my god can you imagine can you imagine being my parent <laughs> no yeah so my mum doesn't listen my grandfather does um and interestingly we are now according to the podcast chart the, the spotify podcast charts if you filter for education we are or not not every day but just after the podcast gets released we were the number one education podcast on spotify way Go us. Yeah, I should caveat that by saying that that's <laughs> if you don't count the 13 that are above us. Okay, so, so we're actually 14th. Yeah, technically. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but, but, but there's logic here, right? Because the, <laughs> the other 13 are not like teacher-facing things. They're okay. stuff like, like um, um, Adonis Gang, self-improvement for guys in high school, which is... I don't know. Do teachers listen to that? I'm not sure. Duolingo French podcast. 
not sure it counts. We've got no. Do the Work, which is a podcast on dating, anxiety, and doing the work to heal with Sabrina Zohar. And oh, Lord. Weekly Motivation by Ben Lionel Scott. So, like, these things are <laughs> in the education. <laughs> I can't believe these are things. Oh, do you know who also is beating us? Oh, God. Jordan who? Peterson. Jordan Peterson. Oh, well, of course he will. Of course yeah, he will. But, but, but for some reason, it's categorized as education. Um, but as far as if you look at like the teacher podcasts, we are number one. Yeah, let's go with that stuff. Yeah, let's go for it. All right. Anyway, we should we should crack on with the actual podcast stuff rather than the, the waffle. Um, and my understanding, Amy, is that you have been a bit upset this week. I have been a bit upset this week. It's another sad week in Amy world um, when I saw on Twitter um, that Nick Gibb had resigned. Nick Gibb is a schools minister who is akin to a god in my eyes and um it broke my heart all over again because it's happened before and it should never have happened before and it shouldn't still be happening now um and it happened and it was really upset me because i feel like when nick gibb is in office as schools minister we're in safe hands and now we're not in safe hands and i'm sad about it Okay, so um, that's a strong opening, but <laughs> <laughs> akin to a god in your eyes. He is. He's a, he's a schools minister god. I love him. I love him. Okay. Last time this happened, I sent him an email to tell him that I loved him. Did and I probably shouldn't him? publicly admit that, but I did. I, did I told him how good he was, how many amazing things he'd achieved and what a loss it was to the profession. And I'm deadly serious. I did that. I might do it again this week. Did he get back to you? He didn't, know. <laughs> Snubbed. Well, who knows? Maybe he listens to They Behave For Me, the number <laughs> one podcast in the UK. <laughs> Should I do he a just follow me on Twitter, though, so we might genuinely find Ooh. out that I'm gutted. Very good. Should I do a quick potted history of Nick Gibb? Oh, yes, please. Let's talk about the man, the myth, the legend. Great. So Nick Gibb, it's not it's not been quite uninterrupted, but more or less since 2010, Nick Gibb has been um, schools minister under various. We've had, I think, about 17 conservative governments since 2010. And Nick Gibb has <laughs> served with, with various of them. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and like the, the remarkable thing is it's not been uninterrupted, but people think of it as uninterrupted because he's done it so often and for so many of those years. And what normally happens is that these people work on some kind of like they're, they're, they're bounced in and they're bounced out. And I think we've had something like 15 housing ministers in the last <laughs> 12 years. It's, we have. It's, yeah. yeah, it's completely mad. Um, but Nick Gibb has been a relative mainstay um, in the Department for Education as school minister. Um, because he's he so is, bloody good at what he does. That's why. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, you, you've made your point. Okay. Um, I, I Carry on. What, let, me, let me do the history and then you, you can make that. your point again and then okay. I'll argue with you. Okay. Okay. Great. Right. So um, he is definitely a true Tory boy and a true, a true like politician. Um, so from a young age, he was doing political stunts. And I found this amazing article from the Durham Palatinate. So Durham, obviously the university, which is where Nick Gibb went, and Pal the Durham Palatinate is the um, is I guess like their student like newspapery type thing, and this is from 1981. Okay, so this is at the National Union of Students conference in Durham 
1981. Now, the first thing is, it's worth noting, so Nick Gibb, Nick Gibb gave a speech. We'll get to Nick Gibb's speech in a minute, because the first thing we need to note is that um, on the last morning, all everyone wanted was for the conference to end, so that we could all crawl home to bed for a week. Everyone visibly brightened on the jaunty appearance of a streaker who charged in. <laughs> did a, they've got a picture of a naked man here. Did a, did a circuit. So he charged in, did a circuit of the hall, went up to a microphone and proceeded to make a speech. You're playing society's games when you wear clothes. He told <laughs> um, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Choked a little bit. Yeah, I'm not really sure where to go with that. I, I, I don't remember. Maybe I never went to any like student union, like politicsy type stuff. But maybe I would have done if I had have known there'd be streakers. By the way, we should note that the streaker was not Nick Gibb. It was not Nick Gibb. Definitely not Nick Gibb. Okay. Um. Anyway, so after the streaker, the the drama has um has somewhat abated from the streaker the streaker talking about society's games. Um, we had Nick Gibb give a speech. So Nick Gibb actually stood to be an executive committee member of the National Union of Students. Um, but what he. <laughs> Um, the, the, the columnist here does not believe that Nick Gibb was actually particularly serious about joining the executive committee um, because he gave his speech where he accused the NUS of openly supporting terrorist organisations, of being a millstone around the neck of both students and taxpayers, of being totally undemocratic. And the only solution, he said, is to disaffiliate. Um, <laughs> he, did not get a, he did not get a lot of support. Um, he got one vote. <laughs> It wasn't Which, off me. And no, it wasn't you. Uh, were you? I wasn't even born. I wasn't born, no. <laughs> I was a long way off being born at that point. Um, so he got one vote, which is sad, but hopefully portentous of the number of votes the Conservatives will get in the next election. <laughs> hey. Just, just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, so, yeah, so like, like, obviously, like, it's a stun and he was a student and stuff like that, but... It, it does it does tell you a little bit about a person <laughs> doesn't it just yeah to get up in front of hundreds of their peers um <laughs> and make a complete spectacle of themselves not quite as much as obviously not stripping off the, yeah the streaker the they really did it <laughs> um so yeah so that that's an interesting one um and that kind of gives us a flavor of what he was like um and then you know he stood for election i think he lost his first something or other but he you know formally joined um, I think uh, it, was, it was like 2005, uh, he got elected at some point, I don't know. And then in 2010, when uh, Cameron came in, started as uh, school minister. Um, and he was like big chums with Gove. So he was basically Gove's guy. Um, so do you want to just talk us through some of the things that, that he was in favour of and some of the things that he's pushed through? Yeah, so I think one of the things that kind of goes with his legacy um, is the phonics programme and the phonics screening. Um, I think that's probably what he's most famous for. And I think it's a really good example of um, a government minister actually achieving something significant, which we don't always see in today's political climate. Um, so there was a huge push right across the board on this, um, including the phonics screening check. Um, that was then done in a in a really sustained way, which again I think is unusual given the amount of turmoil that we've had politically. Um, and then you see the impact of that for us as a country in terms of us moving up the pearl scale um, from I think it's eighth to fourth, um, putting us highest in the West. Um, and I, for me, 
that's a really good example of what I think a, a schools minister should be doing. Like more kids can read now better than they could because of Nick Gibb ultimately. Yeah, it was. It wasn't always a popular move. The phonics thing. Um, no, it wasn't always popular. But look at the impact that it's had. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's reasonable to say that this was a good policy. Policy success. Um, being, you know, fourth in the world, highest in the West. Like you said, we're behind um, Hong Kong, Singapore, and um, Russia. <coughs> um, mm -hmm. Who I'm sure, I'm sure treated this the uh, international exams with as much seriousness as all the other countries did. Um, sorry, Putin's going to come for me now. Yeah, that's um, you so yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I'm with you on the phonics one. Um, he, he was also, you know, big into these rigor and standards, the Govian type stuff. Uh, curriculum reform, more recent, you know, uh, and, and and also it's it's come up back up again. It's the knowledge and skills type argument that's come up again. Um, so I remember when, um, you know, part of the the Govian thing was about moving away from skills based curricula to knowledge based curricula, and just yeah. you know, um, with with all the joys that that brought. Um, and actually, there was a recently. So Daisy Christodoulou just uh, did you read her article this week? This week? Last week? Um... No, I, I vaguely recall seeing something about it and thought, oh, I want to read that and then didn't. Yeah, so we'll, we'll probably do knowledge and skills at some point properly. Um, but basically in the article, she was saying that it doesn't make sense to talk about teaching knowledge or teaching skills because she says that skills is the outcome of knowledge. Um, yes, so, that's what it was. I saw a tweet yeah. that said that. And, and I think one of the things she says is like, nobody talks about what's the balance when you're making a cake, right? No one says, what's the balance between ingredients and cake? It's just the wrong category. You yeah. might say what's the balance between flour and sugar, but you wouldn't say what's the balance between ingredients and cake. So here the cake is the skill yeah. uh, and the ingredients is the knowledge. And without the knowledge, you don't get the skill. And that was very, very much what kind of Gove and Gibb were about in terms of the, the, those curriculum reforms in the early 2010s. Yeah. And I, I think the impact of that has, has been one of the best things about education in the last decade. Um, if I think back to when I was training, when I first started teaching, um, the idea that we would teach stuff to kids like knowledge was alien. Um, I remember, <laughs> I remember having to like do units of work on like get kids to design and sell a chocolate bar. Um, and now we actually teach kids stuff about our subjects. And it's like, it's a, it's almost like a completely different job. Um, and when I look at how much better that is for our young people, how much more they learn now than they ever have done, um, we've got uh, Gove and Gibb to thank for that. Um, and my love for them both for that is equal. Do you know how many subscribers we're losing? <laughs> I just want to point out, I vote Labour. But this is where this is where we are. I love the two of them. So, so I I only semi agree um, with you, and, and 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 I appreciate that I'm sort of insulated from this in two regards. So, regard number one is that I joined a bit later than you. Yeah, so you weren't in the dark days. Yeah, I wasn't in the really dark days, and I joined in 2013, um, and we were still teaching the old science curriculum then. Um, but I was only doing that for two or three years before everyone was on the new curriculum. So that's one layer of insulation. And the other layer of insulation is that even though the science curriculum definitely was more skill based than it is now, it still wasn't as crazy and zany as like the English one was. Yeah. 
So, you know, where, where you yeah, have... Yeah, we were in a particularly bad place. Yeah, yeah. So so I had two layers of insulation, which which I guess somewhat colours my opinion here. Um, and I think overall, it's definitely better than it was. But I still think the the current incarnation of the curriculum is, in my view, still deeply problematic because it's just too damn big. There's too much stuff. Um, there's and 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 day after day, um, I'm struggling my way through a course which has too much content in it. A lot of the content is is really not exciting, not useful, not powerful, not the best of that which has been thought and said. None of the things that Govan Gibb told us then. Yeah. Um, and I'm and I'm struggling to get through it. And at the time, what they said to us is. This curriculum will be great. All you need to do is do explicit instruction, teach from the front, um, do retrieval practice, get the kids doing independent practice, do, you know, I get, you know, Rosenstein was 2012 or whatever, and it didn't launch into popularity until a bit later. But like, the, that was the idea, right? Teach traditionally, do traditional teaching like, you know, Govan Gibb um, had in there when they were, when they were educated in the 80s or 70s, whatever it was, and everything will be great. And I'm like, well, here I am <laughs> doing those things <laughs> and I'm finding it really, really hard because the course is too big. Like I can't be doing any more retrieval practice. I can't be doing any more, you know, chalk and talk traditional type lessons. Like that's what I do. That's my bed and butter. Uh, and I, and I, you know, and, and I think that is a great way to teach, but I'm still struggling to finish this damn curriculum. And, and what really annoys me is that there hasn't been a review. It's been in place for about 10 years and no one at any point has thought, oh, you know what, guys, maybe we should um, figure out if this thing is working at all. It was really just a case of, you know, the ideology was this is what we need to do. They got the curriculum out the door and there's no like iterative process of saying, you know, what needs to happen next? Because my opinion is really strong here that we like science, at least, we just need to ditch like a huge chunk of the course just completely get rid of it um and 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 maybe replace it with a little bit more um so you might like cut say 40 percent and add another 20 percent of other stuff back in so that yeah, overall, that know, would make sense the size or whatever but like no one's thought to do any of that work um and and that's what i find really frustrating and and it means that that what happened was was just a fire and forget. This is a thing. Do the thing and just hope that it will work. Or just assume uh, there's an arrogance. Maybe assume that it will work. Um, but 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 I think there there are like real problems. And and we're still a little way away from from this like knowledge revolution where students are actually really learning like good, powerful, useful, interesting, relevant content and coming away at the end of a two year GCSE and like being better scientists than they ever were before. Yeah, I think the English um, qualifications, the GCSEs, um, we, I think we see the the best and the worst of the current climate in them because we've got an English literature GCSE where arguably we do teach a lot of powerful knowledge. Um, and I think that the literature GCSEs as they stand are some of the best that we've ever taught. Um, but we've also got a language GCSE um that is just a bastardized version of the subject um it it doesn't really require any knowledge of english language like it's not it's like teaching physics instead of chemistry like it's two different subjects um and really what those gcses are isn't what english language is and so we've got to one extent a very good course that i could 
maybe suggest is quite similar to what you're saying about science, about the size of it and the, the amount that we've got to cover. Um, but we've also then got an, an English language GCSE where if there had been some review work and people had looked at it, um, there's there's definite room for improvement there because it is more a test of um, how to pass the exam um, than it is anything to do with English language. Yeah, so so it's, it's not it, it's not an unqualified success. This no, it's, no, and it's not perfect. Um, but I think our different starting points are the are the thing here because. If, if I were in an either or situation, bearing in mind what I've taught at the start of my career um, to where I am now, we're still infinitely better than we were. Even the the way that I feel about the English language courses, I'm still far better than they were. Is there room for improvement? Absolutely. Okay, so overall, you are a massive thumbs up for Mr. Gibb. Oh, of course I am. Yep, that'll never change. Okay, so I am, I'm, 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 I'm not... Um, Boom. And yes, yeah, sorry about that. Um, and like, and and part of it is because of that curriculum stuff. But I think for, for me, the biggest issue is um, there's four words that I'm gonna that I'm gonna pose to you here, Amy. But he's a Tory. <laughs> yes, and it's something I wrestle with all the time. This because I'm not a Tory. I've never voted Tory. And up until Govan Gibb came into my life, I've never really liked a Tory. <laughs> Love the way you said they came into my life. They did. They just like arrived in my life. And I was like, oh, hi, babes. That's normally the way that people talk about like their best friend. Or <laughs> I feel an affinity with them, Adam, okay? But I do. And I'm like, this is a really weird feeling. Like, I'm, I'm supportive of some things that a Tory government has done. And I've, I've also reached the stage in my life where I'm, I openly say that. And I find that a bit weird. And people are like quite critical of that and quite uh, rude sometimes and intolerant of different political views. Um, are, are most of your like friends and family proper old school Labour type? Yeah. Yeah. But my, like my, my family are not necessarily the ones that are critical i find i find the teaching profession the minute you try and say something nice about lal govi you're done for <laughs> yeah so so where, where I, I i i i'm also kind of conflicted on this because i think that um i think it's you know we've discussed this before um i think it's very obvious that the conservatives have done huge damage to this country yes um and especially the education system right and and not necessarily directly schools per se but we are in the middle of a recruitment and retention um crisis uh and the entire social support network that makes our job easier just doesn't exist anymore and we spoke yeah. about this all it last week when we were talking about the post-covid reality yeah um, so so i i find a lot of that deeply problematic um but i also find I sort of in my head and, and I don't know if this is justified, but like in my head, I think that if someone was a minister for David Cameron, like, OK, I can disagree with you, but like, I get it. Um, if someone was a minister for Theresa May, like, I disagree with you, but I get it. But then the people in the party and, and Gibb was no like friend of Johnson or whatever, but like 
the people in the party since then, where it's just a complete bin fire, um, and look, maybe, maybe this is why this is maybe this is why Gibb isn't standing again, right? He's not been sacked. He's just saying he's not going to stand um, yeah. for office again. Maybe this is why. Maybe I need to give him a bit more credit on this. But, but like, I just think the last few years have been so awful that I find it really hard to 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 see the. I guess. I think it. I think it was possible to be a good person and still a conservative under Cameron or under May, but like in in recent times, it's so much hard. And I, and I work really hard to try and see the best in everyone, but I found that really difficult over the last few years. Yeah, I th it's become more extreme, hasn't it? I think on all sides of the political sphere, everything is more extreme, and therefore yeah. the ability to see the good in somebody is really hampered when the discourse around it becomes so extreme. Yeah, and, and, and this, this is the thing, right? So so the, the thing that we like about Gibb is his ideology, right? The things that he believed in, yeah? Yes. And to an extent, you respect people who have an ideology, who believe in something, right? Yeah. When you then look at, like, his voting record, so obviously you have to take stuff like this with a pinch of salt because people are part of a, a party or whatever. Yeah, um, and they have to vote certain ways, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they have so to you, vote certain yeah. ways. And, and there are certain, you know, there's plenty of stuff that he voted for that I don't, you know, I don't necessarily have a huge problem with. Um, you know, a lot of the education stuff, um, you know, voted for greater authority, for, uh, autonomy for schools and stuff like that is, is great. But, like, he's also voted for ending um, financial support for some 16 to 19-year-olds, um, in training and education, there were a couple of votes, um, you know, in the, in the austerity years. But he's also generally voted against measures to prevent climate change, which is a problem. Voting against financial incentives for low carbon emissions, electricity generation methods. Like these are things that, that I find um, like like really problematic. He has generally voted for culling badgers to tackle bovine tuberculosis, which is great, I think. Right. I don't know, actually, I I don't know anything about, about badgers, I'm not going to lie. But you live in the countryside, you should know everything about badgers. Imagine, no. No? Oh, all right mm -hmm. then. So, so, fine, all of those things. But there was a really interesting one when I was reading through this voting record um, that is illustrative of, of, of a second issue, that he almost always voted for new high-speed rail infrastructure, i.e. HS2. Now, for those who are a little bit politically wonkish, like it was truly, HS2 was a high-speed railway, um, which was this much-fated and amazing infrastructure project that got cancelled by Rishi Sunak. Now, if you're Nick Gibb, you voted in favour of high-speed railway, you voted in favour of high-speed railway, and now Sunak's getting rid of it. Nick Gibb explicitly supported Rishi Sunak when he was standing against Liz Truss, right? Nick Gibb was like a big ally, he wrote a big letter and, and, and everything like that. And... I'd, I'd be annoyed, obviously, because, I'd, you, know, but, you know, Rishi Sunak clearly doesn't have scruples or principles because he like flip flaps and moves all over the place yeah. um, with whatever political wind happens to be blowing. And nobody knows what, what he really believes. Um, but but then but but this is this is the thing, right? When Sunak was standing for election, his flagship. Do you, know, do you remember what his flagship education policy was? Uh, grammars. Grammars roll out of grammars. Yeah. Now, in the same way, we spoke earlier about phonics, right? There are very few things in education policy that are like super clear cut. Okay, so yeah. one of the things that's clear cut is that systematic synthetic phonics works. It's a great yeah. way to teach children how to read. Fine. Another thing that we know is that grammars don't work. They don't help social mobility. They don't improve the chances of, um, I guess, the poorest in society. 
and 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 they drive systematic educational inequality. Now, yeah. when Gobin Give was Gobin Give Give who what are their names? <laughs> your heroes, your gods, whatever they were. When they started, their whole thing was about educational inequality and the idea of you know um, raising expectations of of poorer kids and not lowering our expectations of them and giving them a crappy curriculum because they're never going to amount to anything anyway and giving them the best of that which has been thought and said because it's their intellectual heritage and cultural treasures and blah 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 and and i don't understand how you can spend 10 years working on that and then support a guy who wants to drive all that backwards by rolling out grammars because it's this tory idealized dream of complete nonsense yeah i don't i don't disagree with that it doesn't it's there's no consistency there like if your ideology is as you say about you know making sure that every child has the best start in life that they have the best access to everything that we don't you know let their circumstances dictate their success to then support grammars i i find that difficult part of me kind of goes well he kind of probably had to like i assume there's some inner workings in the political world where you have to vote certain ways on certain things and then i'm like where's your integrity like and what do you actually believe like do you actually think grammars are good because well, trust, trust, when trust won i think she sacked him i think and then when sunak came back in he brought he brought him, him back yes it was the trust sacking where i had a meltdown <laughs> And wrote him. And so wrote I, him. Guess, I guess the idea is look, politics is all about oscillating between two poles. One yeah. is realis realism, pragmatism, dirty, ugly politics, and the other is idealism and ideology. And I guess for me, um, and 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 to an extent, like it's you know a bit of pragmatism. A bit of pragmatism is totally justified, but there's always going to be a limit. There's always going to be a point at which you say, well, I mean, you're being so pragmatic that you're selling out your ideals. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a it's a thumb, not necessarily all the way down, but down by a bit from me. Have I managed to convince you that even if he's even if you still love the guy, maybe he's a demigod, not just a god? Mm, no, no one's ever managed to change that. I'm sorry. All right, I'll keep trying. Keep trying, but no one's succeeded yet. All right. Fine. OK, <laughs> should, should we move on? Go on. Yeah, admit defeat in in the big podcasts they do things they say things like let's go for a break and then they go for a break and then sometimes there's an advert and sometimes there's not they go let's go for a break and then it pays the th plays the theme tune do -lo 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 -lo, and then they're back what yeah they That's do that. They go, i know i don't understand and they go welcome back like that should we do why would you take a break in the middle of something to make it longer this is a genius question <laughs> 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 i don't know i'll i'll pose that to <laughs> what the, the 13 podcasts that are hiring us <laughs> they probably all have breaks don't they yeah um anyway okay so um let's move on because because i want to get some of these questions that we mentioned at the start yes so i got a question in um from rachel which is a name that i have conveniently anonymized um so this is from rachel okay um i really enjoyed your conversation last week about difficult parents and no i need to be firmer i have a student in year seven who keeps messing around and then flat lies about it to me and his parents believe him and says to me that I'm picking on him or he is being encouraged by others. What do you advise I do? Okay, really common one, I think that. I think you could speak to a whole range of teachers and they would 
either be dealing with something similar or have dealt with something similar in the past. Um, my opening gambit for that and where I'm coming from with the advice I would offer um, is that parental pressure and parental attitudes cannot and never should lead to tolerated disruption of learning for others. So no matter how difficult a parent might be or no matter how much they don't want to listen to the truth, that can't impact the learning of other kids in a in a classroom. Um, and that's where I'm coming from with this. Um, so that, that's, that's kind of almost, sorry to interrupt, that's kind of your like framing, that's your disposition. Yes, that's my that. framing for this. That's my position is that that can't, we, you can't allow that. If you're going to function as a school that gets good behaviour and good learning, you can't bow to that kind of pressure. Okay, cool. So, so practically, what do I? How, how the leaders, how the teachers, what do, what do I say to Rachel? So, in terms of speaking to Rachel, the first thing is starting with your school policy. What is it, and are you using it? Um, if there so is do a, you mean, do you mean like the behaviour policy? Or, yeah. Or so, like your school behaviour policy. So, right. if there's a C system, or if there's a good neighbour procedure, or you know whatever it is that you're meant to be doing you need to make sure that you're doing that with that child because in order to challenge those um, conversations with parents, to challenge the behaviour of that child, to improve the behaviour in that lesson, that's the first thing that you've got to make sure you're doing because if you're not doing what you say you will be doing in your school, that makes everything else even more difficult. So that's like the foundation level for me is okay. make sure you're doing that. Okay. The next bit is around bringing in different levels of support. So one of the worst things you can do in a situation like this is kind of isolate yourself with it um, and try and deal with it yourself. So we should then be speaking to, depending on your school setup, a head of department, a head of year, a head of behaviour, me, whoever it is that kind of exists in your school as, as further levels of support for teachers with behaviour conversations with them so that everyone knows what's happening um because if everyone knows what's happening everyone should in a good school um be on side to help you deal with it um because there probably might be some difficult conversations coming and therefore preparing for things like that's really important so you're not going in blind at any point um that being said that difficult conversation with those parents does need to happen um and mm -hmm. so getting support with that. So if it's if you've not really had much experience of that, um, it's something that you need to put some groundwork in first to to speak to those parents and have that conversation. It's a bit like what you one of the stories you told a couple of weeks ago about a, a parent fundamentally saying you're wrong and you go, no, I was there. I, I saw what happened. That's the conversation that Rachel's got to have. Um, and therefore, taking time to do that and prepare for that is really important. So think about a script. What's the first thing you're saying on the phone? How are you pitching the conversation? How do people with more experience in those conversations start that conversation? It's that kind of groundwork. Um, some people like to practice those kind of things. So maybe with your head of department, someone you feel like you trust and you work well with at school practicing saying things that you've not said before can give you a lot more confidence when it when you do have to say them um, it's, awkward. And it's awkward though it is awkward 
Um, and you do sometimes have to say awkward things on the phone. I think keeping them really factual helps, or it certainly helps me anyway, find it less awkward. Um, and if I ever do have like a little twinge of awkwardness, I'm just like, well, no, do you know what? I'm doing the right thing. So like, it might not feel very nice, but I'm still doing the right thing. Hmm. Remind yourself of that. Um, that conversation does need to happen where you challenge that kind of, because that's the barrier here is that if, unless that bit changes, it's going to be really difficult to get this kid's behavior to change. Um, in, in fact, it's probably going to lead it to be worse. Um, so it might be like in that conversation, you have someone else there with you that's there to listen to that so that you've got the support or if it goes wrong, you know what to do. Um, and then it's about working with the kid in lessons. Um, it might be, it depends kind of really on what levels of support you've got. So you might have, like in our school, we've got um, an active patrol system where you could request a drop-in if you wanted it. And that the, the person who's kind of on call is there to come and lend a hand or do basically what, what class a class teacher needs from them in terms of support. So if you've got something like that, make use of it, make sure that you've got that support around you to deal with it. In, in what, sorry, while you're doing the phone call or the conversation? No, no, I mean in terms of the kid in the lesson. Ah, right, sorry, I didn't understand. Yeah, yeah so that extra pair of hands and that extra pair of eyes and somebody else being there can be really helpful. So if you've got systems like that, make use of them. If you're in a good school, um, those will be something that people feel confident in doing and trust, and it's not a judgmental process. And I would hope that that's the case in Rachel's oh, school as well. That's, that's such an important point. I, I, I remember that I always felt bad asking for help. Yeah. Um, until I almost destroyed my entire life as a head of department <laughs> and realized that if I didn't ask for help, I was, I was, I, you know, it's burning the flame at both ends, burning, yeah. burning the candle at both ends. And I've got a couple of like really good stock phrases that I use now. Um, so with parents or, or, or with colleagues, like if I'm, you know, if there's a difficult conversation with a colleague, um, but normally parents, if, if they disagree or if they like, you know, you're a liar or whatever, I'll often say things like, okay, um, I'm sorry to hear that you don't believe me on this. Um, I'm going to ask Mr. or Miss or Ms. or Madam, whoever, who's my direct line manager, um, for advice in this case, because it's very clear that we're not going to agree and you're not going to agree with what the adult in the room has to say. Um, yeah. So provided you're okay with that, I'm just going to ask them. And if they, and, and often they'll say something like, oh, no, 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 there's no need. It's fine. It's fine. I'm sure his behavior will improve tomorrow. And I'm like, could have, could, have, could have done that at the beginning um, <laughs> without all this palaver. Um, then, then fine. Um, obviously, I'll mention it to them just the same. Um, but if they're like, "Yes, you do exactly that," then I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. I will. Uh, yeah, I'll do what I said. Um, I said I was going to yeah. do." Um, and I and I found stuff like that helps. Um, yeah, I think you build them with experience as well, don't you? So, like, once you've had some of these conversations once, y you learn and reflect on them quite quickly, and you soon learn oh, okay. the phrasing that works versus the phrasing that doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so, okay. So broadly what you're saying is maintain a dispositional outlook of we're going to have to do this anyway. Yeah. Um, make sure you're following the policy so that your back is covered essentially. Yeah. Um, script, prepare yeah. yourself, 
yeah um, support bring it yeah, in bring in the support sometimes get an extra pair of eyes if you need further evidence um and and then you just got to rip the band-aid off and just go for it yeah um, cool all right um i did have one other question but i think we will probably call it a day there um because we've been we've been going quite a little while tonight a bit of a marathon we have a long one uh, but we the first few sorry i say 48 minutes but the first few minutes was us screwing up the intro oh it was recording yeah yeah at least it's better than what we said last week what at, at the end no at did, the start did, did, did you listen oh yeah yeah that, <laughs> we're not allowed to mention that in public we're not um, yeah um let's just say amy's having problems with her mic and keeping it upright and mic <laughs> <laughs> she should have that came out looking very funny on the transcript um no you did did you listen all the way to the end because because i left a little easter egg in there for you last week did you i didn't listen i can't i can't bring myself to actually listen to my own voice yeah because last week you massively screwed up the ending and you told did me I? to edit it out and i didn't edit it out because it was oh. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a little easter egg for you listeners I as well Encouragement that if you are just joining us at They Behave For Me, all of our previous episodes are available wherever you get your podcasts. See what I did there? I'm getting good at this. You are getting really good at this, but I, now I don't trust that you're going to edit me saying something stupid in there and I won't know because I don't listen to my own voice. Well, maybe you should. Or just read the transcript back. You need to send me it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I won't Apart from when I say something stupid. Very good. Right. That's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter, formerly known as X, or on threads by Meta, and always better with Meta. Or you can email adam at adam at carousel-learning.com. And if you're not yet a subscriber to Carousel Learning, do consider booking in a demo via the website. See if yourself I could transform your teaching practices. If you'd like to support the podcast, the very best thing you can do for us is hit subscribe, let your friends and your grandparents know about us, and have a great weekend. And now, Amy, say goodbye as well, please. Bye. Cheers, guys. Bye.